We all have a yearning for love, but relationships can be confusing and complicated. Dr. Tammy Balashevsky says it all starts from within. It starts with a journey to center. Here's your host for Journey to Center on Empower Radio, Dr. Tammy Balashevsky. Hello, my beautiful, beautiful friends. You know, relationships can be hard and life can be more than challenging. Most everyone I know has suffered and struggled with their own personal demons, from terrible losses to hurtful heartbreaks to dark nights of the soul. If God really loves us, why is it that so many are in so much pain? Why do so many of us wrestle with the qualities of guilt and shame? Is it part and parcel of this human condition? And does it have to be? Today, I'm very happy to be having an enlightening conversation with one of my most favorite guests ever. I had him on last year. I had him on last week, and I hope to have him on again very soon. We're so fortunate to have with us way shower, healer, a true spiritual guide and master teacher with us, William Paul Young. Paul was born in Canada and raised among a Stone Age tribe by his missionary parents in the highlands of former New Guinea. Paul himself has struggled and suffered intensely and has come out the other side. He now enjoys the wastefulness of grace with his family in the Pacific Northwest. He is the author of the incredible international phenomenon, The Shack, a story he wrote for his children and family that ended up being published and then rippling out into the world with sales exceeding 20 million. He also wrote the best-selling book called Crossroads. Today, we're continuing the conversation about both of these books and his most recent novel, Eve. Eve is a literary masterpiece that takes a bold new look into the creation narrative. True to original texts and centuries of scholarship, Paul's manuscript also includes breathtaking discoveries that challenge dogma and traditional beliefs about who we are as human beings, why we're here, and how we're made. So, Paul, thank you again so much for saying yes to another show with me here on Journey to Center. Oh, honored to be here, Tammy. By the way, is Belashevsky, is that Polish? Yes, it is. Ah, thought it probably You're was. You're so good. You're so <laughs> wise. <laughs> You're so wise and wonderful. So Just, It's old is what it is. It is. It is. You're old. <laughs> I think you're very fresh. (laughs) So, um, yes, I'm looking forward to going a little deeper into this whole thing about what it means to be human, why we chose to let the Garden of Eden and and why guilt and shame and pain seem to be such a prevalent um, aspect of the landscape of life on planet Earth. Okay, so let's start start with something really simple. (laughs) Okay. Let's start with the distinction between guilt and shame. Okay, big difference, yes. Huge difference. So guilt is I've done something wrong. That's legit because we do things that are wrong. We hurt people. We betray people. Uh, People have done things to us that are wrong. Right. And so guilt, guilt's legit. Shame is I am something wrong. Yeah. Something's inherently wrong with us on like a soul level. Correct. Now, this is really significant that Shame truly has no place in terms of our movement towards wholeness. Yeah, it's toxic. Um, yes. It, it's absolutely toxic. There is nothing good about shame at all. Guilt, I can, you know, I have to deal with that because I've got to face and own what I've done. Yeah. But the issue of shame, and, and unfortunately, my theological family tradition um, has... Uh, compounded the problem 
by declaring that the the deepest truth about who we are as human beings is that we're pieces of crap or oh, original sin. Correct. That we're depraved, right? Yes. That, that, that that's the fundamental truth about who we are. We're essentially flawed. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that we have to sort of construct a righteousness or a right set of relationships or right living based on something that is inherently flawed, right? Yes. Good luck. Good luck with that. Yeah. How yeah. do we heal from that? Yeah. I mean, my, all you've got uh, is performance. Yeah. All you've got is you're doing this. So yeah, this was a big part of my healing and it sounds like you're healing and, and everybody I work with as far as my clients and students is really um, healing that essential uh, belief that we are um, shameful. And it yeah. really comes back to that we are from original blessing, that we are born from love. And yeah. to be that able we to were a very good creation to begin with. Yeah, that we're worthy of God's love. And, and that yeah. seems to be the biggest piece of work that I've had to do and that I do with my my, my friends and students and clients is getting them to understand their value and worthiness as an exquisite aspect of, of God, that they are loved, that they're valuable, that they're an incredible work of art. I know. And, and those of us who come from a very religious, depraved sort of theology, even to, tr to start to admit that feels wrong. It feels so like that's evidence that we're bad, that we would be, it's like pridefulness or something, rather than a statement of truth. So let me let me give you a little sentence, and because I think it'll help a lot of folks, because it is incredibly helpful to me. Wholeness, which is what we're after. Wholeness, W H O L E N E S S. Wholeness. Wholeness is when the way of your being matches the truth of your being. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the way of your being, how you actually live, how you relate to people, how you think about the world yourself, about God. Wholeness is when the way of your being matches the truth of your being. So the mm -hmm. question inherently is, what is the truth of your being? And if the truth of your being is depraved, worthless, piece of crap, good luck getting the way of your being to do anything but match it. Yes. yes. Because all you're going to fundamentally believe that, oh, you know, uh, I'm worthless. So why are you surprised that I'm acting worthless? You know, because as a person, whatever a person believes in their heart about themselves is the way that they're going to be. As a person thinks in their heart, so are they. And that right? is Even, what life will reflect back to them as well. It's yeah. a mirror of that deeper belief and sense of self. Absolutely. So, so for example, um, people in uh, the faith community that I'm a part of, a lot of times they'll talk about patience and they'll say, oh, I'm praying for patience. Now, what's interesting is that nobody in scripture prays for patience. And and if you bring that up, they'll say, well, it's because, you know, uh, you, they're smart enough not to pray for patience because then God will put them into a situation and that they get, have to experience it. Yes. Right. So so they've got this mean ogre God who is waiting for an opportunity to put you in a bind just to teach you a lesson. Right. Yes. And uh and that's their view. But the reason that nobody prays for patience, say in the entire New Testament, is because they know the truth of who they are. It's been revealed to them in Jesus, that Jesus is by nature patient, that God is patience. The fruit of the Spirit is patience. So everything about our original creation is inherently patient. So the truth of my being is patient. So when I'm acting impatiently, I'm actually acting contrary to the truth of my being. 
and I'm believing a lie about something. So it's a very different thing to say, well, I'm an impatient person who's trying to learn how to be patient. Well, good luck, right? Yeah, it's not going to be fun. It's not going to be well, fun. And you're going to fail, especially if you're a broken person like I am. You know, you know well, uh, you know, you, like you said earlier, everybody in this world experiences love and loss. Yes. That's the two things we all have in common. I don't care about your religious affiliation or your political affiliation. You know love and you know loss. Yes. And and those two things frame our entire existence. And so if you tell me that spirituality is about self-discipline, I'm sorry. I'm I'm I've got too much damage that was inflicted on me and then I participated in in my history in order for self-discipline to be the way out. The things that changed in me are because I began to know the truth of who I am. Right. And, and once I started to know the truth of who I was, the way of my being matched it. And it did it naturally. Um, incrementally, you know, not like uh, uh, the red or blue pill that so much... So many of us would love to have, you know, that extreme soul makeover, right? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. not really that's not really healthy for us. I think slow and steady is a better choice. Well, I don't think it's possible. This yeah. we're too we're too incredibly crafted for quick fixes. Yes. It's yeah, it's not it's not wise. So a couple of things you're saying here is really like sparking some some thoughts in my brain. Um when I sat with the word patience, what I got was just relax and trust the process. And I know you've talked about this a lot. And I was, this was amazing. I picked up your book and I was, um, I, I was in, in a little bit of angst one evening. I picked it up and I had meditated and, and heard God say, do you trust me? And mm. I was like, hmm. I used to say, mm, I'm not sure. And then it got to the point after a couple of years, yes, I do, with a question mark. And then I live my life today with, yes, I trust God with an exclamation point. I picked up your book and I read that. Do you trust me? Yes, I want to. I do trust God, even though things don't look the way I want them to, even though things aren't happening the way I want them to. So I trust and I get, rather than being patient, I just need to relax and enjoy the journey. I need to be, um, I need to be faithful and knowing that um, God loves me and I'm protected and adored. And if something's not happening the way I want it to, it's because it's not, things aren't lined up. It's not quite time. Just relax and enjoy the journey. Relax into faith. And yep. discipline means to be a disciple, which means to turn my face to the light. So I can just relax and enjoy the unfoldment and the mystery. So I think yeah. that's spot on. I think it's spot on. And it's just a slightly different perspective. You just move a little to the left or the right and it just kind of comes into focus. It's like tuning into a radio network or something. Just move a little bit and things can come in more clearly. Yes. The the thing about trust is, is that it's the biggest journey for most of us, you know, uh, especially really you know, I've got sexual abuse in my history as a child, you know, uh, both in the tribal culture and then in boarding school. And um, and, you know, I, plus a very difficult relationship with my dad, et cetera. Well, those things, you know, a child will naturally trust until someone teaches them that it's dangerous. Yes. And. And then at that point, it becomes about safety and survival. And those become the skill sets that we adapt that save our lives in one sense, but become absolutely debilitating in terms of freedom or authenticity or uh, relationships that are healthy. And um, so the issue of trust becomes front and center. When you face fear of any sort, 
you either have one of two choices, the choices to trust or to control. And those are your only two. Uh, there is no third option here. And we're just control freaks because we don't trust. And yes. you can't trust uh, an imagination of a God who is out to get you, right? If that's who God is, then there's a good reason not to trust God. If God is not good all the time, um, sorry, don't trust him. You know? yeah. So a, a lot of our imagination of God is that God is not good all the time and that we're caught in a bind. So we're back to control. Um, so this this dynamic of, of, of fear eliciting control, um, first John talks about it and says, um, to the degree that you have fear in your life, to that degree, you don't know yet how much you're loved, mm. right? Perfect yes. love casts out fear. The one who fears is not perfected in love. There is no fear in love. Right. So, so when I look at the fears in my life, to, to the, that degree that it's there, I know yet, I don't know yet. I'm not convinced in my heart yet that I'm actually loved, that Papa's especially fond of me, to right. use the one that's in the shadow. Right. Right. Well, and it's hard to feel safe in the world when you have experienced a lot of um, trauma and abuse and drama as a young child. It's like, I remember uh, somebody asking me that at one point, do you feel like the world is a safe and loving place or not? And it was absolutely not. Look at all the things that have happened to me. Look at all these examples of why it's not. So my work eventually became getting back to that place of knowing that I am loved despite all evidence to the contrary. And it seems like that's the journey you have taken yourself. Yes. And it doesn't mean we end up stupid. Um, you know, what, what, what happens is we learn to build boundaries and understand the world the way that it is, as broken as it is. But mm -hmm. there is a bigger, relentless embrace that mm -hmm. is constantly there. And we're never alone. We're never apart from it. And that is the presence of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Mm, I have to break that down. Bigger, relentless embrace. That is amazing. There you are being a word wizard again. <laughs> uh, I do. Sometimes I just read a little bit of your book and I'll just stop and I'm like, I have to sit with that. I have to let that surround me and hold me in and, 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 and invite it into my every cell. It's beautiful. Oh, I, sp oh. <laughs> I spend my off days at Hogwarts. So well. <laughs> I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with you. <laughs> uh, that's great. That's amazing. So you talk a little bit about the shadow sickness. And in uh, one of your books, you talk about heart or soul sickness. And I think all of us have that experience at some time. We do feel alone. And it comes from we when we turn from that face-to-face -face trust and away yeah, yeah. from the light. And it seems like it's a personal choice for each of us to turn back to the light. Nobody can drag us to it. Nobody can do it for us. We have to be willing to turn our face to the light. And, so and this goes... Yeah, this goes that. back to something fundamental that you said earlier. And, and let me put it in different language. I believe God has a high view of humanity, not a low view of humanity. Mm. God doesn't become something that is not good. And God becomes fully human. This is the beauty and part of who Jesus is. Yes. That this is God in our humanity. And, and that is a declaration to the cosmos that God has a high view of humanity, not a low one. And right. And as a result, here's another thought, that this is a God who submits by nature. God, we're made in the image of God. God will not direct us to live in a way that is contrary to God's own being. So when God says, be in a relationships where you are submitted one to another, 
It is because the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are submitted one to another. And, and so this is a God who submits by nature. And that's why a lot of times God just doesn't step in and fix things. Right. Is because this is about participation, because God has yes. a high view of humanity, not a low one. As yeah. much as we would like God to step in and make our decisions for us, especially those of us who notoriously or you know historically have made bad ones, we would rather God take over. God will not. No. Because God, has, said, a higher, yeah, God yeah, has a higher view of us. You've said often God has more respect for us than we have for ourselves. And I think right. that's true. Yeah. And that's and that issue that there's a element of the basic question that we have about the existence of evil. God does not bring evil to the table. God did not originate That's the our cross, mm-hmm. right? We did that. Yeah. And we brought that to the table and then God submits to it, climbs inside of it because he'll never leave us or forsake us or abandon us. So I believe that God extends an invitation to us, but it really is up to us if we choose to turn our face to God and accept that invitation or not. And it really is our choice with the beasts yeah. of the world, with nature, that's, that, they, that is lined up. That's, that's just, that's not a choice, but we have free will and choice. And it is an awesome uh, responsibility and, and double-edged sword. We can be the demigods of our reality, or we can choose to turn our face to God and co-create with that energy that moves the planets around the sun. Yeah. yeah, I've heard it said, and you say this, our pain comes from our perceived disconnection from God, but we're never disconnected, not for a second. It's an impossibility. That is correct. We're not powerful enough to disengage ourselves mm-hmm. from that relentless embrace. But it sure feels like it. Oh, yeah. You know, darkness feels real, but darkness yep. is simply the absence of light. But it has no ontological existence in and of itself. But it's real to us. And so, you That's know, the, the pain that we create the darkness that we bring to the table, it is real to us. And God doesn't scoff at, at our no. disability, but climbs into it and says, okay, we're going to see what we can grow inside of this that will actually be real. And at some point you will let go of the darkness because the reality is so much more entrancing, more beautiful, more substantial, more alluring in the best possible way. Yeah, then we can comprehend. I remember years ago when I was going through my dark night of the soul, I was yelling at God a couple of things that I didn't really consciously understand. I want to come home and this feels so real. I guess on some level I knew it wasn't what I was going through, the separation and being so alone, but it feels so real when we're in it. And it's no joke. This is like, this is, this is, I feel like um, planet Earth can literally be hell. I mean, it can be challenging, yeah. best case scenario, and hell, worst case scenario. Um, but again, I feel like we're given this opportunity to be the demigods of our reality. Go create, go play, go do what you do. But eventually, we have to turn our face back to God because there's no place else to go. Yeah. And, and, and to drive it home, it is so real to us that when Jesus enters into our darkness, it is real to Jesus. And he mm. cries out. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But it's not because God has forsaken him. It's because he's entered into the like darkness yes. and it feels like it. And, and he's quoting Psalm 22, verse 1, right? Yes. And here's what, it, here's what it says halfway through Psalm 22. You do not despise the afflicted, you being God. And this is, this is in the Psalm that Jesus is quoting. 
You do not despise the affliction of the afflicted, nor will you turn your face from him. And when he cries, you will hear. And so Jesus knows the whole psalm. And that's why even in when he is deep in our darkness, because that's what he submits himself to in order to destroy that darkness. Even in that darkness, he knows the truth and knows that there is no way that he's separated. So he can say, it's into your hands I commit my spirit. I'm not letting this torture device take my breath from me. I'm giving it to you. That's beautiful. So yeah, even of our darkest moments and our greatest pain, if we can just relax into our knowingness of the compassion that's here for us and the love that's here for us, um, just to have faith in that, that I think is going to be the guiding light that brings us back into that embrace, that internal embrace. Of yeah, and it's that unconditional and, and it, it, it doesn't ontologically bring us back into that embrace. It just helps us see the reality of the embrace we've never been able to escape from. Oh, there you go again. Yeah, it's the flashlight in the dark. It's yeah, it's, exactly. It's so beautifully put. Again, you're giving me goosebumps. We're not alone. <laughs> it's amazing. I know where those goosebumps originate. They don't originate. Tell me. Well, I know you talked about this on our last show, and I just loved hearing it. I've quoted you a lot. <laughs> uh, you, you know, this is what happens when whimsy runs amok. Um, <laughs> Wisdom of whimsy the imagination. Is, yes, whimsy. That's uh, my friend Bob Goff's name for the Holy Spirit is whimsy. And, uh, uh, and, I, and, I, and I just love that. So, you know, that the, the beauty of this, too, is that we don't have to do this for our entire lifetimes today. We do this only for today, right? Yes. Yes. Because because you, you're like me in the sense that we've had to work hard at getting to the place where we've begun to agree with the truth rather uh -huh. than run into control, right? So, but we can't take more than a day. This is why grace is only given to you for one day. Sufficient to the day is the grace thereof. So we're not being asked to make this turning as if it's okay once for all. Only we're only being asked for today. Whatever is yes. in front of us today. Right. That's it. This is where we live. This is where God lives with us. So it's a constant choice. Yeah. Yep. One of the, the ways that I put it is, you know, don't spend today's grace on things that don't exist. Right. Mm -hmm. Future tripping. So you are saying something that I'm really excited about. We don't have a lot of time, but it's such an important quality that I want to explore for just a moment or two is the quality of grace. You say that you live in a waste with the wastefulness of grace or in the wastefulness of grace. And something I pray a lot about is um, receiving grace and experiencing grace. What does that word mean to you? Grace is the relentless um, affection that is... Um, that is not considered a performance at all. That is, it's not conditioned upon performance of any sort. It is, it is the affection that is extended to a grandchild just because they exist. Yeah. Not, be, not for any other reason, right? So this grace of God is this relentless outpouring of, of affection that is independent of our performance, either our good performance or our bad performance. It doesn't matter. And, um, and, and we are given that grace for each day, sufficient to the day. So we get enough grace for what's in front of us today. We get it. I, I get mine first thing in the morning, <laughs> you know, and it wow. lasts me till I go to sleep. But what I meditate I've, on that. Yes. In the morning, oh, I receive I've, that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What I've stopped doing is being a future tripper. Well, for the most part, 
I can still get pulled into it, but I don't spend as much time there as I used to. And that is creating imaginations out of my fears, imaginations that don't exist, that then push me to try to control the world around me so that the things that I'm afraid of don't happen. Uh-huh. And, and we're not given grace for tomorrow. We don't have any control. That's the point. Yes. Some rogue cell could go sideways in the middle of the night and it's all she wrote. So we are given grace only for what's in front of us today, only for the relationships and the choices and the decisions that we're going to make today and not yes. for anything else. We let yeah. everything else go. And once you do that and you're present, you'll begin to see God active all over the place because most of the time God's active and we just weren't there to see it. We weren't paying we were, attention. Yeah, yeah, well, we were off in some future tripping imagination that doesn't exist. Yeah, I stay on my knees, I pray without ceasing and I allow grace to be the wind at my back. And oh, oh my gosh, Paul, your, bo- your book is turning into a movie and it's going to be out in a couple of weeks. I want you back to talk about that. Oh my gosh, oh, how exciting is this? Oh, it's so fun. And, and here's what's even fun. Uh, a little side story is that uh, the book, the movie was supposed to come out in November and then uh, Mel Gibson wanted Hacksaw Ridge, which also stars Sam Worthington. And uh, so Lionsgate arbitrarily picks a date, right? They need a Friday. So they pick March 3rd for the movie release, which happens to be three, three for a movie about oh, the wow. Trinity. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. God wink. There's Grace. God there you, wink. God's uh, with God's us. God's great sense of humor. All the time. Oh, my gosh. Okay. The, our time is over. I hope to get you back next month so we can talk more about your, your books, your movie. I'm so excited. I'm so honored to have this time with you, um, Paul. You're just an extraordinary being. I adore you with my whole heart. <laughs> I love you too, honey. <laughs> and to my listeners, thank you for hanging out with us. It wouldn't be as much fun to do this show without you. It would still be a lot of fun, but it's even more fun when I hear from you and get to connect with you. So be in touch. Facebook, Twitter, email me. Go to my website, Tammy B. PhD. Let's continue our dance. We heal in relationship. We celebrate relationship. So God bless you. I love you. Onward and up. Bye for now.